right. Welcome back to another podcast episode, Podcasts of Farming Assets. If you've joined us for the first time, fantastic. Welcome. We're excited to have you. If you like the content, give us a thumbs up. Feel free to subscribe and feel free to share us as well. Don't keep a secret and give this podcast a link to other friends, family, and colleagues. Again, this is all for you guys and feel free not to keep us a secret. Share this episode with everybody you possibly can. All right, welcome back to Farming Assets Podcast. If you're not a subscriber, feel free to subscribe right now. If you're not ready to subscribe, but you're listening to us for the first time, welcome. And hopefully this is helpful. This is part two of a three-part China trilogy. I guess you could call it, but trilogy, China's trilogy. So if if you're not a subscriber, feel free to subscribe. And if you don't want to do it right now, you want to see and, and listen to us and see, hear what we have to say. And after we're done, you're interested, then, then go ahead and subscribe then. That's fine. So let's go ahead and get started. This is, again, part three of our trilogy trilogy on China. And if you recall in our last episode, if you have, if you weren't able to listen to that just yet, we were just talking about some of the key lending rates and some of the aspects of the global economy and, and China struggling. And has their power peaked? Where are they at in the world now? And so- this is a big conversation. And, and just so you know, we're getting all this information. If this is your first time. We're getting all this information from articles all over the world. So it's not just U.S. articles. So, for example, the article we're going to talk about right now is from the Korea Herald. Okay, It was an article written June 6th. And the title of it is Export Dependency on China Wanes. U.S., India, Australia Emerging to replace China as top export destination. And here's the reality is, is A, it's a communist country, okay? And B, they really have been manipulating a lot of aspects of their economy over the last few decades. And because of the most recent issues that have occurred the last three years, a quote unquote pandemic, and how they've addressed that, we saw such a huge effect on our economy because of that. So yes, I'm not blind. Of course, the U.S. had an involvement in the Wuhan and and the virus and all this kind of stuff. We're we're not even going to talk about that. We're not going down that. We're talking about business. We're talking about economics. We're talking about the reality is farming assets. How's this affect you as a business owner, as a taxpayer? What's this all mean? And so our goal is to translate all this stuff as best as we can and try to do as much common sense as we can, right? There, I don't have any economic degrees and I'm not a doctor of this or a doctor of that or a proclaimed doctor of this or doctor of that. I'm just looking at this as one business owner, a consultant, working with business owners, trying to figure out what the heck is all this media trying to communicate to us? What's being said to us? And how does that mean? What's that mean to me? What's that mean to you? And so this article says China, which has been South Korea's dominant export destination for almost two decades, is currently facing a challenge to its longstanding position. According to the report by the Korea International Trade Association, Korea's reliance on exports to China has steadily declined from 26.8% in 2018 down to 22%, 22 22.8% last year. That's a 4% drop. Okay. In the first quarter of this year, it dropped even further, all the way down to 19.5. All right. That's a 7% drop. Okay. That's pretty significant. The Ministry of Trade, Industry, and Energy report on Tuesday also showed that the decline in exports to China has persisted over 12 consecutive months since June of 2022. 
China's trade balance has been in deficit during this period, except for a $600 million export surplus in September of last year. Now, in January, monthly exports to China fell below 10 billion mark for the first time in three years, basically right down to $9.2 billion. Since then, monthly export figures to China have been fluctuating around 10 billion level. Okay. So now I don't know what this means to us, you and I in the United States. But what it does mean that China's effect around the world is affecting around the world. And I honestly believe a lot of that has to do with their relations with the United States. Now, exports to China in the first five months of this year mounted to $49.7 billion, seeing a 27.3% decrease. 27% decrease compared to the same time last year. Now, during the first quarter of this year, there was a significant on-year decline, various exports items in China, such as semiconductors by 44%, petroleum products by 20%, petrochemical by 26%, steel by 23%, automobile parts by 34%, displays, basically, my guess is electronics, 52%, and secondary batteries by 38%. China experienced a significant decline of 29.6% in its immediate good exports during the first quarter. That's pretty significant. Now, let's let's go down to farther in the article. It says, as China immediate goods exports decline, the markets for such goods in U.S., in India, and Australia, and other countries are experiencing an expansion. Yeah, we are, because we're trying to get our stuff situated here in the United States and get out of China and not have to deal with that. And at the end of the day, when we're talking about Korea, are we talking about North Korea or South Korea? We're talking about South Korea, right? That's the reality. We're talking about South Korea. South Korea has been a fantastic trade partner with the United States. They've been a great ally of the United States. So let's go to the next article. Next article is Barron's Magazine. So something a little more noticeable by most of us. China may be heading for a lost decade. Hey, you remember the United States had a lost decade, right? But the 2000 to 2010 was the lost decade. Three consecutive negative markets at 20, 2000, 2001, 2002. And then in 2008, that entire year was a lost. So that was the lost decade where we started the decade and ended the decade about the, about the same or a little bit less than we started it. So China is on its brink. They're heading for a lost decade. Ooh, can't wait to read this. All right. So June 7th was this article. All right. Of this year. Yeah, this year. All right. So much for the Chinese economic boom. Dun, dun, dun. Last year, China ended a disastrous zero COVID policy that it was disastrous. How can you get a billion people just stay home and don't do anything? Stop breathing. The disastrous zero COVID policy that had crippled its economy, a rush of growth has widely expected to follow. Instead of booming five months after the ending of the COVID restrictions, the Chinese economic recovery is sputtering. That is due to no small measure to the bursting of its outsized housing and credit market bubbles. Okay. The question now is whether China will experience a lost economic decade as Japan did in the 90s following the bursting of its property and credit market bubble. That was pretty de devastating. It took China, I mean, uh, Japan quite a while to, to recover from that with good trade relations with the US. Okay. We may be at the end of a period when China, the world's second largest economy, served as the world's economy's main growth engine and the main driver for international commodity prices. 
Now, over the years, I will give China this, over the years, they have driven commodities. They have done a great job, about 90 plus percent of steals from China. They were very, very smart. I give them credit of taking resources and gobbling up resources where other countries were like, oh, whatever, we'll see. For whatever reason that was, I don't know. But again, I'm in my 40s, so I may have been too young and dumb to know what all that meant. I still may be too young and dumb to know all this. <laughs> At the start of this year, against the backdrop of dimming prospects for the inflation, you inflation-ridden U.S. and European economies, the International Monetary Fund, which is primarily funded by the United States, but we'll move it on from that, along with many market analysts, projected that the reopening of China's economy would provide much-needed support to the global economy led by anticipated sharp rebound in consumer spending. Well, guess what? Hasn't happened. And so, and I think a lot of this was U.S. companies, capitalism was sitting there saying, you know what? We're not going to deal with this. We're not going to allow the allow China, allow all this stuff to affect us negatively. And so what we're doing is we're sitting here and as capitalism works, says, how do, how do we keep the speed of cash flow? How do we keep capitalism moving? And so if that means we need to start shifting to other Asian countries, we need to go back down to South America, Central America countries, then let's do it, right? Or even into Mexico and parts of Mexico, right? Let's do it, right? So we're not going to complete this article. It's We're going to keep on moving. You're getting the point. So Nikki Asia which is a Japanese talking about China's exports slumped 7.5% in May after two months of growth. This was written in June 7th. And so again, just continuing to talk about China's trying to recover from their handling of COVID, a drop in order of mobile phones, garments, outbound shipments of 283 billion declined. The country's customs office reported on Wednesday. This compares the forecast of negative 0.4% fall, according to economists. Let's see here. Imports in May also fell by 4.5. So not only goods exporting, but imports also fell in May by 4.5% or 217 billion after domestic demand curbed which really as items such as natural rubber and synthetics, as well as integrated circuits. So, so it's interesting to see, and this really goes to the article that we just read about Korea, right? And their exports to China. So we're seeing this in multiple articles in different, different areas. So now the disappointing activity data, retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investments in April suggests China's domestic demand recovery has lost steam Following the reopening. Now, here's the problem. Here's what I think. This is what America would have done. With America's reopening, what we would have done is we would have had a big old gold ribbon, big gold scissors, right? We would have had all the the muckety mucks and suits and nice outfits standing behind this ribbon with the president and or the and the speaker of the house holding these scissors. And we would have had a a band, you know, playing American music. We would have had streamers and fireworks. And right as the president and the speaker are cutting the ribbon for reopening the United States, what would happen? The fireworks would burst and we'd have a big old party. And and that's how capitalism in America does it. (laughs) This is how China does it. You don't know. They say we're going to open. And then it sputters. And a lot of this is because of China's growth over the decades. They're the second largest economy. No, 
The United States is the strongest economy out there, is the largest economy with sub-economy China-2.0, right? China's economy is what it is because of our capitalism and our consumerism. China is because the U.S. took manufacturing out of the U.S., moved it to someplace that was a lot less expensive. So you and I, as consumers, can have goods and services at a lesser cost. Europe followed, the rest of the world followed, did the same thing. And now we see being bedfellows with the communist country, how they manipulate various, and this is the funniest thing, you know, these countries that want to get away from the US dollar and de-dollarizing, right? And they're, oh, who are we going to go to? Oh, let's go to China because they're the second largest. Well, great. So well, we're, why are you leaving the US? Oh, because they use, they weaponize the, the dollar. Well, don't be a dumbass. Excuse my French or my Chinese or whatever language that was, my cursing. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. If you're not dumb and you're a good partner and you're not doing stupid things, then yeah, then you probably aren't going to have sanctions. Okay. Now, do I think the U.S. is handling these things? And I do I think the weaponizing of the dollar is a good idea? Not at all. Not at all. I don't think so at all. I think it's better than guns and bullets. Absolutely. And and sending our men and women out there on the front line and fight arguments like they used to in the days with swords and shields or now, you know, and most recently with the guns and rockets from afar. But I don't think weaponizing the dollar is beneficial. But where are you going to go? Okay, so we have, we're going to have uh, these other countries create their own. Great. We had Europe do that. Europe was much stronger and unified, and I use that term loosely, than these other countries and other continents that have no common distinctions or aspects other than us, the U.S. We're what brings them together, right? So let's keep this in mind. China's economy is what it is because of you and I. We see how you and I as consumers have power with our dollars. And our dollars have power because how you and I think, our beliefs are what we believe in our gut, in our heart, in our spirit, what is right and what is wrong. So it is you and I that are the largest economy. You and I, the American consumer, are the largest economy. You and I, the American consumer, is the strongest powerhouse in the world, you and I. Now, you and I are made up of people from other countries coming here as well because they see what you and I have the access to. And we welcome them with open arms because the spirit of you and I is desirable compared to, that's why we're a republic, compared to these other dictatorships, okay? So it comes down to the two things, money, power, power, money. They're interchangeably. It really is a hyphenated word. It's a compound word, right? That's the reality. So, hey, I appreciate you being with us. We're going to go and we're going to end this episode here. We're going to go and jump into and be prepared for our third part on China. The trilogy continues. The anticipation. Who cares about Star Wars and Marvel? It's Farming Assets podcast that is skyrocketing in anticipation for that next episode. So, hey, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe. We appreciate you being a follower of ours and you make it a great day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
All right, welcome back to another podcast episode, Podcasts of Farming Assets. If you've joined us for the first time, fantastic. Welcome. We're excited to have you. If you like the content, give us a thumbs up. Feel free to subscribe and feel free to share us as well. Don't keep a secret and give this podcast a link to other friends, family, and colleagues. Again, this is all for you guys and feel free not to keep us a secret. Share this episode with everybody you possibly can. 